You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about that heart-thumping, tingly mic drop moment that led you to becoming an artist. My guests today are Charlotte Moore and Kieran O'Reilly, who founded Irish Repertory Theatre in 1988. And ever since, they have been passionately devoted to bringing... Irish and Irish-American works to the stage. They present everything from the classics to the contemporary as they nurture new generations of Irish and Irish-American playwrights. It's now in its 31st season, and they've presented over 190 productions, worked with more than 500 company members, and with Kieran and... as producing director and Charlotte as artistic director, the Irish Rep is the only year-round theater company in New York City that is devoted to bringing Irish and Irish-American work to the stage. They've won the Drama Desk Award, the Adder Critic Circle Award, the Lucille Lortel Award, the Jamson Theater Award, for their excellence. And I love this detail. In 2019, you were both inducted into the Irish America Hall of Fame and received Ireland's Presidential Distinguished Service Award for the Irish Abroad. abroad. Welcome. Great to be here. <laughs> what did you say? I said, on that note, we'll say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I I always think when I go to the Irish Rep, or would you prefer I say the Irish Repertory Theatre? Do you have a preference? Uh, We call us the Irish Rep, so. But I always know when I go to the Irish Rep that, I'm going to be, tra- not to be so dramatic, but it's going to be a transforming experience. I love, I love seeing, for example, your Finian's Rainbow and how you transformed that play and how it was really scaled down. Not, I mean, not in terms of the inner life of the, of the musical, but what I love that it was, um, that there weren't you know, 40 people on stage and yet the feelings are all there. The emotions are all there. The passion is all there. Um, I love what you do. I love your commitment and your passion to the theater. So thank you for being here. Can you take me to the 1980s and how this all came together? 
Well, Kieran, you do it. Kieran and I were in a play together. We met in a play together directed by the great uh, Brian Murray. And uh, he, he, it was his idea, really. He one day said, why don't we do a play? Why don't we do some plays? And so I said, fantastic, great. And so we did one. Didn't we, Kieran? This is this is this is true. Uh, well, it, it was 1988, and there seemed to be a dearth of uh, of theater. There were so many different ethnicities had their own theater company uh, in New York City, the capital city of theater in the world, and uh, and um, the Irish Arts Center was there, but but um, theater was just one small component of their organization and uh, so there was not one full-time theater company so we felt that was uh, that was something that needed to be fixed uh, so we started with uh, one of the great Irish plays uh, Sean O'Casey's The Plough and the Stars which you know only had um, 16 people in it on four different sets so that's of course the show to start with I had uh, no clue Gerald I had no clue <laughs> Charlotte directed it and directed it wonderfully and it and we got within our first with our first show within our first week uh, the New York Times came and reviewed us and uh, and we and we just started from there and then we did another play um we, we had actually planned to uh to when when we began that we would have a season of plays so we had booked the 18th Street Playhouse for a full season um, so we, we began, even though we didn't have the money for one show, never mind a season of shows, but that's, you know, that had never stopped us before. So, uh, or since. <laughs> so, uh, and then you built a home eventually on, on 22nd street. Now you have several theaters there, but so many people dream of creating a theater company and have that passion and, but they don't have the means and they, they, they think, oh, I can't do it. What gave you that can do spirit? You know, Gerald, uh, often when, when things come up and we are making plans, I just say, oh, we, we can't, I can't do it. I, I can't do this. I can't go on. And Kieran said, always says, we'll just go on. We will go on and we do go on. And that's that's how it was in the beginning. He, I said, well, that's it. We've done this play. We've done these plays. And now what? And he says, we'll just go on. And we have always gone on. And that's how we've done 150 or 160 now. And He's, I love heroic. He's heroic, but don't tell him I said so. <laughs> and there's so much to talk about. Uh, I, but let's start with your lightning strikes moments for each of you, because you're both originally your actors, right? Uh, when did you know you had to be artists and that this was your path? Can you point to sort of a moment when you knew this is what you had to do? Um, go ahead, Charlotte. <laughs> go ahead, Kieran. <laughs> well, I, for, well, for, for me, I was very, you know, I was 19 years of age. I had um, come to America for the summer, completely lost, completely ha having no idea whatsoever what did I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I had, uh, you know, ideas of Hollywood and all of those things without ever having been at you know, on the stage or having, and I was in a bar as Irish people sometimes are. Uh, and I was, there was a technical rehearsal going on across the street 
at the at a theatre at the Irish Arts Centre across the street from the pub, and some of the actors came in on the break, and they were grumbling about an actor who hadn't shown up for a tech rehearsal. And one of them who knew me said, well, why don't you just come over and stand in for him? So I went over and I stood into him. I was playing a I was playing a, a police officer giving evidence in court, so I didn't need to learn lines. I could just read the evidence. And I thought, this is fun. I can just read the evidence. And, uh, and, and so the guy never came back. And I stayed in the role. And, uh, and suddenly, when the lights shone on me on the stage, I thought, well, this is exactly what I want to do. That was my lightning strikes moment. <laughs> that is extraordinary. That's like your uh, Schwab's drugstore moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The same beauty as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you had no experience, no training, nada. And you just want, what, what, can you describe that feeling of when you were that detective? What was it that was so thrilling that made you think, I need more? I need more of this. Well, I, I was always a kind I mean, I felt I was a, an awkward kid in a lot of ways and kind of shy in a lot of ways. So it, was, it wasn't as much, and though it certainly was, that when the lights come up and you suddenly feel elevated in the world, but it was the camaraderie of the theatre people that, I, that, that just absolutely changed my life as well because suddenly I was talking to people who kind of knew what I was talking about. And that was that we don't know where the hell we are and we're, we're all trying to find and we're all trying to search for things. And, and I just hadn't been around people who, who thought like that and spoke like that. And it was utterly thrilling. And, um, and, it, and that's really what changed. How long had you been in the, the States at that point in your I, life? I, I was very, I was there about maybe 10 weeks at the time. Oh, what? And I was a doorman or a porter in a building, you know, and, and it was uh, so, so to actually leave from being a, a porter and go on over in the evening time to be amongst theater folk. It was it, it just gave me a focus and uh, it was it, it, it was completely transformative and it never changed after that. And I began to love Irish culture, which I abhorred when I grew up in Ireland. I didn't want to hear from W.B. Yeats or really? John Millington Singh. I mean, that's old Irish hat. Who wants it? And then I come over to America where I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go and, you know, go where Neil Young was and the Eagles were. They were all the, you know, the <laughs> bands that I wanted. And then, uh, and then suddenly I was, you know, going around spouting W.B. Yeats. <laughs> So fascinating how life transforms us. How how about you, Charlotte? How did you? I, I was a, a, a little. I was either going to medical school or I I I had bad luck with colleges. I'd run off from a couple, and I I was embarrassing my family, and and uh, so I I went to nursing school, and I, I had a nurse's degree when I was eighteen years old. And I, so I went, I wanted to go on with my education somehow. And so I went to Washington University in St. Louis to please my family so that they wouldn't be embarrassed about me anymore. And I got into a, I got into a play, a Greek play, Hippolytus. And I stood up, uh, stood up against the wall with my arm raised. I didn't know how to memorize lines. I really didn't know how to, to put a line in my head and say it at a given time. But um, I was in the chorus and, 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 and got through it. 
this. But like Karen, when the lights went up and I was in a lot of lot of makeup slapped on my face and a, and a Greek gown and standing up against a wall with my arm raised up reciting Hippolytus, I thought, oh, well, this is, I think I want to do some more of this. Well, I, I did a little more of it there. And um, and then I got very lucky. I got very, very lucky and and went to the Hartford stage and the Oslo Theater in Florida when I was very young and, and, and got learned, kind of learned how to do it. And, and then eventually got to New York and, and became an actor. When you say you got lucky, is that what can you be more? What do you mean that you were able to work at these places? Or I, 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 when I went to the the, the Oslo Theater in Florida, there were a bunch of people there who were real actors and real directors and real theater technicians. Paul Widener uh, was at the Hartford Stage Company, and he hired me to come there for a season. I stayed seven seasons. And then I got very, very lucky, and I was hired by Mr. Stephen Porter and Hal Prince and Michael Montel uh, to go to New York and be with the Phoenix Repertory Company, and that was my way into New York. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I know that Hal Prince came to... Hal yeah. Prince became a very close friend, a very yeah. close friend. And you, and in 1992, you directed you at one of his pieces, that Irish rap, right? That I did. I yeah. did. <laughs> Can you talk about how you both met, the circumstances of when you both met? Kieran, what was the name of that play that we were in that Brian Murray directed when oh, we met? It, it was a play called Summer. Uh, by oh, that's right. Hugh Leonard's play. But it was Hugh Leonard's play, Summer. And, and we it had been done off-Broadway. But at the time, I didn't have... Uh, I wasn't a member of Equity. And so an Equity wouldn't let me join because, because they... But, but anyhow... <laughs> Forget that part. So I, I was I was hired then as the as the um, dialect coach for the company. And it's I an Irish to, play. <laughs> I, I tried to instill in Charlotte at that time an Irish accent to absolutely no good results whatsoever. And, uh, <laughs> and and but then the show went actually went down to the to Florida to the Ponciana Playhouse in in Palm Beach and and that time I was hired to be in the company and that's where I met uh, that, that's where I got to know Charlotte better and um, and we were friends then for a good many years uh before we before the Irish rep began actually so we didn't go directly from that play into starting a company because um Charlotte mostly because she was having a whole other Broadway career uh and film career television career during uh, during those other years she was on this one here. She she was on a show that uh, was before Saturday Night Live came up with it. But it was it was a show called The News Is the News, where she was uh, a newscaster on the show, and it was a sort of a skit on the news. Do you remember the that comedy show? show from Thirty Rock, right right where where, where Saturday Night Live is is now? Um, well, fascinating, and I know you have two Tony Awards. I mean, both of you. Um, Oh, we're very accomplished, Cheryl. We're just so full of ourselves. So what I love is that, you know, when you go to the Irish rep, there you are. You're, you're such a pre And sometimes you're selling tickets, Charlotte. And here you are. And I say to my friend, 
She's the director. And here she is selling tickets. She's ushering people to their seats. Why I'm so you- glad you didn't work, work there to see me cleaning the bathrooms. Oh. <laughs> 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 and look, why, why do you think for 31 years the Irish rap has stayed it's, it's such a force in theater? I think I think we're very passionate about what we do, Kieran. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 we we put our. I mean, we we put all our any money that we have, we put it into our productions. You know, uh, so we yeah. like high production values, and as you know, in as much as we can possibly do, uh, we 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 love our company, and we and they come back over and over again, you know, which, which, you know, there's a, it becomes a, a shorthand with the company. We know, we know what they're capable of and we know, and, and we, there's a joy to coming to work. And I think that joy comes across the footlights and goes into the audience. And I, I think that's, that's something that that's, it's sort of undefinable, you know, but it's, but it's there. And I love how you, you curate the the works you do. You know that you you, you can see the plow and the star. You can see um, Juno and the Peacock, and then you'll see you know, a brand you know, you'll see brand new works. And how do you curate? How do you determine? <laughs> we find it out, Cheryl. <laughs> we, we 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 say that a lot that we fight it out, but we actually don't that much. <laughs> we, do, we don't fight much. We agree with each other a lot about about things, and if somebody comes in, I mean, people come to us with ideas, and we listen, you know, uh, yeah. and we and we just we read plays all the time. Uh, uh, and then, and then we try to find plays that are very well-known plays that maybe haven't had an outing for quite some time, and and see just how relevant they might be to to the world that that is today. You know, uh, so it, it's a it, it's what people usually do. You know, I guess it's to, you, you just you, you try to give um, you, you know diverse programming as well, so that it's not the same thing that we do all all the time. And some things, some of our patrons. You know, you think, oh, well, that's not for me. But so what? Everything can't be for everybody all the time. You just have to go and try to, you know, give a mix. What was there a moment where you felt, okay, we're here to stay? You know, that we're not, you know, scrappy anymore. Not that you were, not that you were ever scrappy. But uh, was there a moment in your history where you felt, oh? You know, we we can breathe a little easier. That we we've arrived. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you have to say, Kieran. Well, I, I I would say that there was it was certainly um, after we'd been around for about six years, so maybe seven years. We you know we had been in every darn theater in town renting. You know, in the Actors Playhouse on Theater Row, we were at the Public, we were at a place on Fifty Fourth Street. I forget the name of it now, but we were, we had, we had been in a, and it was really hard because we would be in there for, you know, for the run of a show 
that we would have rented it for say six weeks or eight weeks and then the show could either be a either be a dismal failure and we need to get out earlier <laughs> or it was a show that was ahead and we didn't want to close and we would have to close and that happened so much and we'd have to load in sets and load out lights and we were basically um, our our office was it was an apartment in the building I was living in and you know it was it, it was it was tough so we said we really need to have a place that we call home you know and if we don't get that place let's quit and give up so we yeah. we, we found this place on West 22nd Street we got a we, we got a 10 year or 12 year lease on it he was a Great. wonderful landlord he uh, he gave us six months to fix the place up. And, and we just started to to uh, make it into a theater in six months. And, uh, you know, with we built two theaters. We started on January 1st, and we just began to do it, like, immediately. We just began to do stuff. And we hired an architect, and, you know, he, he, he came up with the plans as we were almost doing it. So that on September 5th of that year, we opened both theaters with shows. So it was done within nine months. Uh, so that that's just because economic necessity sometimes takes over because we didn't have the money not to do it. And uh, when people say, you know, how do you keep on going and stuff like that? He says, we can't afford not to. <laughs> With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Well, which leads me to what you're doing. You have a whole roster of, of uh, works that um that are available for streaming can we talk about that how you've how you've adjusted to this time to the pandemic and what what you're bringing now to people who because we can't physically go to 22nd street to the theater so what you're doing Charlotte, you want to answer that? Well, uh, as I as I told you, Gerald, I'm in St. Louis, and I I, I thought uh, when when Kieran was was ready with the touch of the poet to to move to the stage from the rehearsal room, and he was going into tech rehearsals when the theaters in New York closed down, and I left for for as I thought two weeks, two or three weeks maybe, and Kieran's sets were ready to go and. Uh, he was waiting to get on the stage and everything stopped. And our wonderful staff never even thought of stopping. They just said, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? This is the way we're going to begin. And by God, we began and we've never stopped. Uh, we have we have a staff of how many, Kieran? Uh, we have a staff of 12. Of 12. And each one of them has a job and an opinion, and we 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 listen to them. They're they're wonderful, and that uh, Kieran and I never stop either. We never stop talking about what we're going to do next, what interests us, what fascinates us, what would challenge us, and and that's what we want to do. And so we're doing it. 
Yeah. That's so phenomenal. Um, for example, you have uh, the new short play, The Gifts You Gave to the Dark, um, yes. which was specifically written for these times, right? And that's available uh, for streaming now, right? Indeed, that that was a that, that was a, we we particularly loved that that was uh, that was um, sent to us uh, it by and it was the associate director of the Abbey Theatre in Dublin, Katrina McLaughlin, and Katrina uh, had uh, she had this play and she tried to, to make it happen I think in Ireland, uh, and so it, it she was they just didn't have the resources to do it, so they they sent it to us. We really loved it. It seemed to be so much. Of the moment, it could have been like written weeks before. It was written, you know, when at the height of the COVID in Ireland, and it's a beautiful piece. And so she said, you know, if you guys are interested in this, I have some some wonderful people in mind to do it. And of course, we already said yes, we're interested before we even heard who she had. And honestly, those the, the three actors who are in it are, are like some of the three of Ireland's greatest actors. And, uh, and, and she got them to, to agree to do this play that was basically written to be performed on FaceTime. You know, it was yeah. written uh, because uh, it's the story of a, of a son whose mom is on her deathbed and he is unable to visit her because he is infected and he can't go to her. So the, her brother, his uncle, holds up the phone to his mother so she can hear, and he's telling her he's coming to her. He's coming to her. And, and, uh, and then they relive some beautiful moments in their lives. Uh, and it's all done on FaceTime, written for uh, Kira, say who those actors are. Yeah, I was going to watch that next. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, Ma Marty Yates, uh, Sh uh, Sean McGinley, and Mara Mullins. Now, Mara Mullins won the Tony uh, for the beauty queen of Linan when she was uh, um, she was out here and okay. is you know is she, she's like Ireland's leading actress and she was a uh, you know it was she didn't have to say a line by the way so I was always congratulating her on how did she learn those lines all she had to do was moan a little bit in the bed every <laughs> once in a while a dream role Gerald a dream <laughs> dream role <laughs> and and also you you are presenting some uh, digital productions of your favorite um, shows all reimagined for the screen can you talk about that with that what what you've decided to put online well sure, well, sure. we we had we we, we began our our, our our summer digital season, which sounds very grand. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we began with uh, Molly Sweeney, uh, Brian Friel's Molly Sweeney, which Charlotte um. directed from St. Louis. I acted in that one because I had done it previous to that. And it was an easy start, that one, because it was, it was a story from three different locations of people who were isolated themselves. So we were able to talk directly into the camera, and that one was, was quite easy. Um, the next one after that was uh, uh, Yes, Reflections of Molly Bloom, which Aideen Maloney did. Uh, and it's basically the, the Molly Bloom's soliloquy uh, dramatized. And uh, except it's supposed to be in Dublin, but Aideen was down in Miami. So we got a COVID Miami version of Molly Bloom. Uh, uh, and the next one then was The Weir, Connor McPherson's The Weir. Uh -huh. Which we got a little bit more ambitious with that. Um, it, it's it's the, the story is five characters in a pub telling various yeah. stories, 
some ghost mm-hmm. stories, and then things get very real. So we had to find a way to get all five characters into the same pub. Now, those five people who had done the play previous were in, currently in five different states around the country. Mm-hmm. So we had to find a way that when somebody pulled a pint in one state, they could hand over the pint to somebody <laughs> in another state. But you did, Kieran. You did. We worked it out through working through green screens and um, uh, uh, and Zoom. Oh, that's and, uh, What does directing give you? Since you both started as actors, how did you transition to directing, and what does directing give you? Well, yeah. it's scary. It's 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 scary. I absolutely love it because uh, I I have the guts and balls to uh, to to read a line if if I don't like the way somebody's reading it or doing it, I'll do it for them. To hell with it. I will. <laughs> and and I I, I like I, I I didn't think I would ever like being in charge, but I I kind of do like it. I I like to I like to have a say. Kieran? I don't know where you ever got that. I, I, I have no idea where you ever got to say that, Gerald. I don't really know if I like to be in charge. You were in charge ever before you drafted a line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I faked it. I faked it. And you I liked it. I, I just uh, I, I began doing it. I, Charlotte directed, you know, nearly all of the productions um, right up to you know, a good, a good part of our, our, our time doing it. And I absolutely love working with Charlotte as a director. She's my favorite director. So I, I, I'm, it's, it's a, there's a shorthand between us, and I, and I just absolutely love it. So I learned an awful lot from how she did it. And, um, and I, I've uh, I, I benefited greatly from, from, you know, almost two decades of working with her and then and, uh, and seeing how she treats actors and she doesn't she treats actors really really well and she makes it fun in the rehearsal hall and uh, and that's kind of what you have to do is just make sure that everybody feels that they that they're what they how they feel and how they, they that it counts that it's the most important thing that they feel that, that, they own, that they own what they're doing. What is it, Kieran, that you love about Charlotte as a person and as a director? You said oh, she's I can't a- wait, Gerald. I can't wait. You're the same Charlotte. <laughs> well, I, 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 well, Charlotte has, from the moment I've met her, she's always she is she is a force of nature, and she commands the attention. Uh, no matter what it is that, that, that she does. And whether she's right or wrong, she is just as emphatic. <laughs> uh, she brings life to things. And, and, and that's, you know, there's so many in, in, our, in our world, and we know it, that, oh, my God, will this, will this meeting ever end? Or will this, you know, and, and I've been, you know, in some things outside of Irish rap where I think, Oh my God! Will this will this project be done so I can go home? And when I say home, I mean go home to Irish rap. But uh, it's and it's never so with her. It's uh, you know whether uh, there's always an excitement in what in, in what she does, and uh, and she's she has a sense of humor 
<laughs> thank That's you, Kieran. I, thank you. All, um, I, I couldn't wait to hear this. All very flattering. All, all very flattering. Uh, what I, what Kieran, when, when, when we had been going for a while, and and Kieran said he wanted to direct a play, I thought, oh my God, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. But I mean, he was my partner, and he was half of us, so I, I had to say, fine, wonderful, okay. And then he did. He did, and I swear to you, a brilliant job during which I learned so much and am still learning from him because he's much more meticulous and much more serious than I am. And I, I envy him. I envy him, his meticulousness, because I, I don't have it. Is there a bad cop and a good cop between you, or you sort of split the... How does how does that work running a theater company together? Well, it has grown kind of that when I want something done that is not popular, I make uh, Kieran uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, no, I was going to say that. No, we actually do. And in in, in in times if we've had to go and 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 do anything that was going to be really a tough decision, uh, we do it together generally. Um, you know, it's our, 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 you know, it's yeah, we do. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's very hard otherwise, otherwise to do it. And by the way, Charlotte is very meticulous. She say it again. I'm saying you are very meticulous. I don't know what you mean by that. I'm not very meticulous. You're, it, you, you should see her, and it's the most annoying thing you could possibly. You should see when that when a set goes on to the stage, and and she stops everything to go up and move a chair. Uh, like maybe three centimeters or maybe four centimeters, and, and uh, so yeah, she's not meticulous at all. No, those chairs are important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's an economy of space, so it's pricey real estate, right? What it, what was it, Charlotte, about the Irish sensibility? What made you fall in love with the Irish theater, that, or made you feel so devoted? That, that, that's a great question, Gerald, because I, I was not a fan. I mean, I was not a fan because I did not know anything about it. And when I did The Plow and the Stars, I was absolutely overcome with the beauty of the language and the beauty of the characters. There's no, nobody like O'Casey, but I didn't know that. I really didn't know. And, and uh, as I became aware of it, I grew more and more respectful and more and more in love with the Irish sound, the Irish language and the Irish psyche, which is different from anybody else, any other psyche in the world. And it's it, there's something about it that's romantic, of which I am an idiot, uh, which is completely romantic and completely musical. And I am I've always been in love with music and musicals. And it is in there, in there and it, it, right there for you to find right there. It's visceral. Yeah. I remember the first time I went to Ireland and going into a pub and um, it was a Sunday night and and there were people of all ages, children sitting in this circle playing music. And it was like it was so enriching. It was the most beautiful thing to see just oh. people around the circle in the pub on a Sunday night playing music. Um, 
and everyone I love that you said children, Gerald, because I, I know they're there with their with their parents. I know they're there. And did you grow up going to Ireland, or when did you, or did, was that part of your life? Mine, I, I I had been to Ireland a couple of times. One time, I uh, actually went with Hal and Judy Prince uh, just to see theater there, and um, but but I I knew uh, nothing about it. I know a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> I know you said you didn't appreciate the Irish theater. What would you like people to know about this incredibly rich culture? Of As you say, Gerald, it, it is an incredibly rich culture. And it has it always has two sides to every question. Two interesting, fascinating, fascinating, beautifully written, beautifully spoken sides to to everything. It, it's it's the, the greatest culture in the world, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's um, it, it's a question that, that we're off that we're often asked. And it's, and it's one that I keep on grappling with as to why this small island, you know, mm. off, you know, off the coast of, of Europe has such a, has such a rich history with, uh, with theater that, um, that, that I mean, and you can just, I mean, just to reel off some of the greats of the theater that came from there, like George Bernard Shaw, Oscar Wilde, Sheridan, Congreve. I mean, then that's just from the classical uh, yes. you know, world. We go to like Brian Friel and Connor McPherson and Tom Murphy, uh, Edna O'Brien, uh, yeah, Marina Carr. I mean, you know, there's so, yeah. so, so many like wonderful, wonderful writers on this rock that's over there. And why is that? And, you know, and it may be a cliche at this time to say that, that, you know, that it's a nation of storytellers because they, you know, oral tradition was very strong and prevalent. They weren't allowed to express their, uh, themselves in their own language, so they stole the, they took the English language and made it their own and made all those things. But the, the big part of it, I think, is, is the storytelling. And, and, and it's because they do tell a story. They'll tell you a story you know, if you stop on the road to ask directions you know, which way to the Murphys, they'll say, well, if you go up that road and there's a crossroads there, now that, that's a crossroads that Jimmy Jack used to own. He used to own that house on that crossroads, but he's dead now. You know, he's dead now. And so if there's a left turn, don't go that way. Go right. And they'll make a story out of anything. So, so when it comes then to sitting down and, and putting a, you know, like we were talking to Connor McPherson, about about the weir and how he formed the weir. He, you know, he had an uncle that was down in County Leitrim that he used to go and, and visit. And he, he always remembers that going into a pub there and a guy coming in and walking right in behind the bar and pouring himself a, a, a pint of stout. And he thought that was the strangest thing he'd ever seen in his life. He'd come from Dublin and he saw this. And then from there, he just basically wrote this piece about starting there and he said, it's just where people just come in and they start to talk. And that's all it is. And it's, uh, yeah. and it, so it has a magic all of its own that's there that maybe others don't. It's just weird. I don't know why Scotland doesn't have it. They, we've, we have yeah. a lot of things in common with Scotland. You know, they used to say that the Scotch were the Irish who could swim. You know, so you think we're going to be the same people. Um, uh, Kenneth Tynan once, once, once said that, you know, the, the, the 
the basis of all English literature is Irish people. Is that except for Shakespeare, who's uh, who he he called our luminous accident. <laughs> the rest of it were just uh, you know. So it's a mystery. It is fascinating, you know, when you think of it, like you said, the small island and all the poets and artists and uh, it's it, it's such a rich, rich culture. And I'm so thrilled that you brought that to you. What is your dream for the Irish rep? I suppose the dream, uh, Charlotte, you can uh, you answer this and I'll say that I suppose our dream is that it that it it's sustained and it goes on well well beyond our our time there and that's something we have to we probably have to work on some more to make sure that that there's that, that it's ready to to be passed along and keep going because i i can tell you one thing it can be sustained from a literary point of view uh so we just make have to make sure that it's sustained from a financial point of view um that's my dream, Charlotte. <laughs> well, I I think uh, I I'd like more more people to see our productions. Maybe we might take them around to 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 other places and other cities uh, uh, as soon as we can. If we ever ever get back to our beautiful theater, I can't 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 wait to make plans like that. I, I think we can do that. Um, I I like I love what we're doing. I want to do more of it. Yeah, and, and like Kieran, I I want it to go on. We were we have been incredibly lucky enough in this climate and in this pandemic time to have been offered the the uh, the players uh, in Manhattan is has been closed is closed and has been closed for a while, and we were offered that space to do something in and. Because it's safe in there and because we adhered to every precaution, God knows, um, we were able to do in that fancy, gorgeous 1888 Stanford White designed mansion of uh, uh, two, two uh, cabaret artists doing Noel no, no Power. So that's just, that's done. And it's coming up. Well, say who they are. It's uh, it's yeah. It's who game. is it? Who directed it? Did you, I did. You did virtually or yes. yes. I didn't. Want I had to done it. We had done it in our our uh, other space, in our small space, in our theater before. So they were not new to me. I knew what they could do, and they they both been doing it forever and ever. And I knew them, so it was a pleasure, and we had a great time doing it. And it's done, and it's coming up. And, oh, and, those, and those two people are KT Sullivan and Steve Ross, uh, who, who are fantastic cabaret stars. Uh, and it was it was a it was such a such a pleasure to be in their company during this time, and doing the songs and letters of Noel Coward, directed by Miss Moore on Zoom. And produced by Mr. O'Reilly. He was there with a mask on every day. What was that like uh, directing virtually for you? I know you said you had worked with them before, but what kind of challenge was that? A or challenge, Gerald. You you said the word. It was a challenge. Uh, like sort of like the weir was a challenge for Kira, never having done it before. I mean, you show up 
Yeah, you show up and you do what you do. What you you know, you learn every five minutes something new and and hope to retain it for the next time. And what is the official name of the No Coward? Love Noel. But it's it's available for six performances only. Okay. Uh, and we we base and it's starting from next Tuesday. If you go to our website www.irishrep.org you can book a ticket to go and see the I'll show yours, it's, Carol. It's, for, it's for free with a suggested donation is basically okay. what it is given the circumstances of where we are in the world is that we have to plan for uh, basically a fall digital season because it doesn't seem like the theaters will be opening um this fall yeah so we're 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 working on that right now we plan to announce the season within the next couple of weeks and we have some exciting things coming up and uh we just we will continue to do that we will if people can't come to us we're going to come to them and we're thrilled to say that we are attracting a whole new audience around mm. the country and around the world and it's uh we we basically in this past few months more people have seen our shows uh, online than have actually perhaps seen them in person. So that's okay. the good news. That's the silver lining in this madness. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Tiba. It's such an honor to talk to you both. And here's to many, many, many more decades. Oh, thank you so much. Of the Irish Repertory Theatre. Thank you. Cheryl, hope to see you there very soon. Very soon. See you very soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore, and the talent was booked by Anna Strauss. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.